Good evening and welcome to another episode of Hidden for the Cycle. I'm your host, Hank Indictor, and as always, we got a good amount of stuff to cover, particularly the Yankees versus Red Sox series. We will be bringing on Alec Walt shortly to discuss that, but first, before I get into that, I want to give you guys a friendly neighborhood reminder to please give us a follow on all of our forms on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. And you know what? Without further ado, let's get right into this. Alec Wall is our guest. Alec, how's it going? I'm doing well, man. I'm looking forward to the series this weekend and joining you on the show. Yeah, no, me too. I've got the uh, I've got my IS Network app on in the background. The game should be starting right about now, the first of a four-game set at Fenway. But first, in order to start off this discussion, I think we got to go back to last weekend. Now, the start of the series obviously didn't turn out really well for either of us because, as you remember, Thursday got canceled because we had six Yankees get, mm-hmm. get the COVID outbreak. And all I can say is that is such a 21, 2021 Yankees thing to happen. They've had a lot of weird, unlucky breaks, and this was just another one of them. And then this, in like the first game, they re- the bats really did not look great. Second inning, you had Christian Arroyo hitting a through on home run. And, Alec, talk about the – Talk about the pitching of Eduardo Rodriguez. How impressed were you? He's been pretty good against the Yankees so far, which is really insane considering his ERA. Yeah, I mean, he's someone who's pitched really well at Yankee Stadium, and which is pretty crazy because Eduardo Rodriguez has had a really up-and-down season this year for the Boston Red Sox, and fortunately for the Red Sox, he was on the upswing when he was facing you guys against the Yankees. I mean, when he he's on his game, he's one of the better pitchers, you know, on this in easily in the staff. I mean, that's the thing is when he's a guy that has to get through at least five or six innings. And that's the thing with the Red Sox whole rotation. They can get five or six. They have a bullpen that can get them through the game. And, you know, when I watch watch Eduardo Rodriguez, that's extremely promising for the Red Sox because you look at their rotation right now. They have Chris Sale eventually coming back. You're hoping he can be someone who can play in those tough environments and postseason games. He's a tough, gritty pitcher. He's been doing it for a long time here in Boston. I mean, it's so huge to see him have that performance in Yankee Stadium because that was a big game coming back from the All-Star break. The Sox, what, had lost four or five going into it. The Yankees had a very productive series against the Houston Astros. So, you know, he he showed up in that first game. And again, it's been up and down, but we needed Eduardo Rodriguez to be spot on here in the second half because I don't know if you've watched, the Rays just made a massive trade and it's going to be an absolute war here in the in the American League East. Oh, yeah, they got Nelson Cruz, which, you know, yeah. it's funny you should mention that because we I had Dom a couple weeks ago. Actually, I had him back-to-back weeks. We had him on the big Subway Series roundtable, and then I had him 
in the recap of that Subway Series. And afterwards, we were doing some trade deadline discussions. And as a matter of fact, we talked about having Eduardo Rodriguez, or we talked about Nelson Cruz potentially coming to the Rays and then helping them out. And, you know, I would, I think that's going to really help them down the stretch. They need a really big bat to complement all the other, the, the other style of offense they had. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think this is a perfect addition. I mean, he's a guy you're going to fit spot in the center of your lineup every single night in the DH spot. I mean, I know they've, they've put Austin Meadows in that spot. They've kind of moved a lot of pieces around. So, you know, the, the Rays have a really deep team. Interesting to see if some of these young kids can really step up in the second half. But he's an experienced hitter. He's a rock there in the middle of that order. I'm surprised. The thing with the Rays is they're a team that doesn't eat, doesn't spend that much money. You know, they're a small market team. They made it, they nearly won the World Series and let Charlie Morton walk for a couple million dollars. I mean, that that's just how they operate. And Nelson Cruz is one of the most expensive DHs in the league. The two most are the two on our two respective teams. But, you know, he, he signed like an 18 or so million dollar contract this season. And the Rays are going to be chewing about, you know, 40% of that with the rest of the season still remaining. So good job for the Rays coming out to spend some money because if they want to make a run here in this division, I mean, look at the Red Sox lineup. Look at the... Blue Jays lineup. You know, there's some really good matchups here. I think the Yankees could could, could get interesting. I know we're going to get to that in just a little bit, but they needed to make a move to remain alive here in the AL East. They've been still behind the Red Sox pretty much this whole time, but this is the perfect ad for the middle of their order. Yeah, definitely. And as I said, as I personally, over the course of this weekend, I was really happy with the tip two out of three, but I'm not going to get my hopes too high up despite the fact they're on a four-game winning streak because – I'm going to be honest, the Rays have only just gotten better, especially with the Nelson Cruz trade. And I like that they're doing that. They're striking while the iron's hot. And yeah, listen, you'd be surprised hearing this coming from me, but I really don't know if the Red Sox are going to go away anytime soon. I think their pitching is decent enough that it can probably carry them throughout the season. And we haven't, we're not even factoring the Chris Sale possible return. And mm-hmm. who knows if they can even get another starting pitcher into that rotation too. So I I don't see the Red Sox really folding anytime soon. The lineup's really good, and we can obviously talk about a little bit about some trade stuff later, but uh, let's get to the comments. John Rankin says, Hank Daddy, John, how's it going? Good to see you commenting as usual. And, folks, if you want to comment, talk to us, please leave a comment in, in the section below, just like John did. And I would love to interact with you guys as we discuss the Yankees and the Red Sox. And uh, we got another one from Tom Scavetta. Tom, what's up, is- fellas? LGM. Your Mets had a pretty up and down week, but I'll tell you what, you they should be thankful that the Yankees you should be thankful that we swept the Phillies this week. I I do want to say that. Uh, uh with that the whole nother road we can travel if you want to get into that division. But hey, the Yankees are coming into this series this weekend, just just to point it out. We're both playing some pretty good ball. Yeah, no, for sure. So back to the series that we had. The second game, obviously, was the 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 Saturday night game on Fox. It was really weird because the weather was pretty nice that day, actually. And then they called it a delay because of weather in the forecast. And then by the time it actually started raining, they, they said, oh, let's just keep playing until like the sixth inning or something, make the game official. It was it was really weird. And I'm going to be honest. I don't know about you. I kind of think the Yankees, in a way, got lucky to win that game. Now, that's not saying I'm not appreciating that win. Obviously, I am because like they needed that. They were getting no hit for like yeah. the first four innings. Nathan Yavali was dominating us. Like, I thought it was going to be another one of those typical starts where he just, you know, he comes out against the Yankees. He always has that anger whenever he faces against them, and for good reason. But then they tied it with that big DJ LeMahieu RBI double, and then in the sixth inning, you had the back-to-back home runs from Gary and Glaber. So that was a big game. And, you know, the real win for me in that, obviously, was 
my heart rate didn't have to increase from seeing Chapman. So that that's a W right there. Yeah. I mean, and Chapman, man, he talked about being up and down. I mean, my God. I mean, it was good to see him. I think it was in the Philly series where he hit 103. You know, he hit up, he gave up a solo shot and got a little angry, but yeah, I couldn't imagine, man. He he's making a lot of money to be the closer for your team, and he's giving you guys some brutal ninth innings. So it was good to see him close out that one, at least for your sake there in that series. But yeah, that that game, my opinion, shouldn't have happened. Um, the rain was sideways. You could see it pouring on the screen. Um, I think the fact that they had to reschedule the first game in this series had a lot to do with the fact that they did not want they wanted to find a way yeah. to make this game end. Um, so in my opinion, I, I think it's a little ridiculous. The rain was pouring. I mean, I haven't seen a baseball game in my life and I'm not saying this cause the Red Sox lost. I've never seen a red a baseball game happen in weather that was that bad in years. No, it was so, I was actually at that game too. So yeah, I, I had to like, brutal. I, I had to like take cover somewhere in, in a part of the stadium cause it was like pouring rain and it was ridiculous. And the fact, the crazy part was I actually stayed the whole game. I, I stayed until they essentially kicked us out. Yeah. I don't know why I did, but then again, you know, I'm a bit of a crazy person. It was a so. slow moving game too. It was like 11 in the sixth or something like that. You know, I know they started late, but that game was dragging. I feel like they probably could have gotten more innings in if they had just started at the normal time too. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, they probably would have just reached close to nine at that same time because it started an hour or so late. But, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen a baseball game in that type of environment in so long. It it was crazy. I mean, you look at the rest of the series, Sox didn't hit. You guys want, like, 9-1 the next game? Yeah, that was the weird – that was the other crazy game, too, because I was not expecting them to blow up the way they did. You had another Glaber home run. That was his fifth on the season. It's great to see him starting to heat Talk up. Talk about someone you guys need him heating up. I mean, oh, you guys want God. any chance. I mean, even if you mentioned Gary Sanchez, the guy who hit the back-to-back home runs with him in the series earlier. I mean, the, the Yankees need need him. You got to hit them to start heating up because Judge, I mean, he'll eventually come back. Stanton, and yep. early in the season, looked like one of the best hitters in the league and obviously dealt dealt with some injuries. But you go down the depth in this lineup. I know we're going to talk about some young kids in a bit who's really stepped up, but you need these guys to step up because if you want to consider buying at the deadline or consider making any sort of move, if Torres and Sanchez are cold, you guys aren't going anywhere. Oh, that is an understatement of the year. And those are the two mercurial guy, most mercurial guys in the lineup. Sanchez in particular, because you've seen me go off on on Sanchez many a time. I feel like on he always belt. hits a home run against the Red Sox. He does. You're right. It, it seems like that. Uh, but e- e- either way, just for, for your sake, I know the deadline's about eight days away or so from now at 4 Eastern there on the 30th. Um, I mean, I don't want to uh, just – if you guys – the way I look at the series coming up this weekend, if you guys get swept, there's not a chance you're buying. No. If you guys sweep the Sox, you're going to be headline news. Everyone's going to be talking about the Yankees. Who are they going to buy? Can they make more runs? This is a massive series for both teams. Yeah. Because the really Rays is. are now better. The Yankees need to jump two teams. So, they're, like, the next four days, they're going to really know the state of their roster. Definitely. And if you're 12 games back, just before the deadline, there's not a shot Cashman does it, anything. Yeah, I'm really on the fence about the Yankees buying, to be honest with you. Because I, I feel like... Sorry, go ahead. I feel like you guys are in a way better position to spend on some of these potential free agents when they're free agents. 
Like, why buy Marte when you can give him three or four years at $40, $50 million next year? Right. In free agency. There's no reason to get rid of the prospects. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, now, speaking of prospects, I think we got to talk about your guy, Jaron Duran, because they made oh, yeah. his debut on Saturday. I think he got his first hit that game, too. No? Off Cole. It was his first pitch. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And he, I, I know he had his first home run against the Blue Jays. How, what did they win two out of three that weekend, that week? That's I don't think it. they played all three games. The Red Sox won two of them. I think they only played twice. I could be wrong, but I know, uh, I think the first one was postponed due to weather. And then they played two more games. The Sox killed them offensively. Like they were putting on a show. I think they hit seven or eight home runs in those two games. But yeah, the thing with Duran is he's a name I've been hearing about for a really long time in Boston because, you know, he kind of, he was productive at every single level that he played in. And he provided that element of base running, you know, they ended up moving him to the leadoff spot playing center field. And when you looked at the Red Sox and they lost Jackie Bradley jr. It was pretty clear that the future in center field is Jaron Duran. Obviously at the start of the season, they went with Kike Hernandez, who I think has been spectacular in that spot this season. But the thing with Duran and he's, he's a veteran prospect. You could say he's 24 years old, really moved into the top 100 uh, this past season, but he provides something the Sox don't have. And he's an unbelievable base stealer. He had 70 stolen bases in his first two seasons uh, as a professional. And I think he's going to make a huge impact on this team. Yes, I know the leadoff hitter now is uh, Kike Hernandez, who I expect to stay in that spot. I think down the road, Duran could eventually jump into that spot if Kike ends up fading out. But he's a very solid uh, center fielder, great contact hitter, is a bullet around the bases and can provide that element of base running here for the Red Sox. This is a huge almost mid-season addition for this team. I think he's going to make a real uh, – his presence will be known there in center field. I think this kid's an absolute stud and has a chance to be a center fielder for a while in Boston. Yeah, I completely agree. He looked really good so far. He had that big home run. I think it was the first game of the Toronto series, where which he absolutely crushed it. Yeah. Moonshot in Buffalo, and then, you know, with the speed and athleticism, I'm going to be honest, I think he probably does take that leadoff spot. Because I don't yeah, I really mean, know. I really don't know if you can rely on Kike to be the leadoff hitter for, like, the rest of your season, no? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he's more obviously more experienced in that role. You want to take right. some of the offensive pressure him as he gets used to major league pitching. So I don't have a problem with him hitting down in the order. Personally, if the Sox can put, like, Kike eventually deeper in the order, move Duran up to the top, put Kike on base for the order to flip back to the top, that's even better. If you can get guys like Hernandez and Duran consistently on base with some of the rest of the guys in this lineup, you're going to be successful. But, you know, when the Red Sox uh, started their AAA season this year in Pawtucket, um, they had him in center field. They had him in the leadoff spot. The Sox made it clear that they want to develop him into that type of player who can make an impact on the bases from the, some of the big bats in the lineup to uh, score him as as much as possible. So, you know, it, it, as long as if Kike loses his job, I mean, you know, right now he hasn't lost it. He's been one of the better leadoff hitters, extremely productive in that spot. So for now, it's Kike if things need to change. There's still 60-plus games left in this season. A lot can happen these next couple months for the Red Sox. But I do eventually expect him to move up, whether it's sometimes to end this year or to start the season uh, in 2022. All right. Now, let's talk a little bit about, bit about this current series. Now, tonight, obviously, we have Jordan Montgomery pitching up against uh, – Tanner Houck. And now, is this an opener game for the Sox? Because I've seen Tanner Houck pitch in relief a lot. Yeah, so when he was brought back from injury, he pitched in Pawtucket. I think his last six appearances, he's pitched uh, less than four innings in each of them. He got like a three-inning uh, three save in his first appearance back. It was over the week. I think it was against the Yankees. 
Yeah, right? that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So um I I kind of had a feeling he was going to be a shorter relief guy to begin with. I'm actually surprised he's starting. I'm interested to see how many innings he goes, but um, the last couple times he's been on the mound, he hasn't gotten past four. And, you know, Cora likes to hit that five, six mark with his pitch uh, starters. So it'll be interesting to see if he has that ability to get that deep into the game. But they've been very cautious of his innings at both levels since he's been back from injury. Now, for the remainder of the series, I'm going to list out the rest of the pitching matchups. Garrett Cole against Erod is tomorrow night. That's a game I really think the Yankees on paper have win. to win that. You have to win that series, that, that game. I agree. Every time Garrett Cole's on the mound, the Yankees have to win if they want a chance. Definitely. And then sun, and then Saturday, you got Tyon against Ivaldi. That should be a good one, but that's the one I've all, I've told you numerous times. Whenever Ivaldi pitches against us, I always get nervous. And, and Tyon is the last pitcher. I, I don't like that matchup for you oh, guys at all. No, me neither. And then Sunday, I think we have Herman against Martin, Martin Perez. So... Honestly, if I had to assess the series, I'm going to say it's going to be a split. I don't really see anybody winning the series personally. Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on, you know, both teams are playing well right now. Um, and obviously you guys have the advantage in the Cole game. We have the advantage. Red Sox have the advantage in the Eovaldi game. But it you never know when it's Red Sox and Yankees. It's all the records away. I mean, both teams have been very vocal this year about not liking each other. Um, the Yankees desperately need this series if they want to do something this season. And the Red Sox are looking at it like if we show up and play the best we can play, we can end the Yankees season pretty much. You know, if you guys, again, are 12, 11 games back going into the trade deadline, there's a very low chance you can make up that many games in about a 60 or so game span. So um, I think the Red Sox have a real chance to take three of these. Garrett Cole's looked phenomenal the last couple times he's taken the mound the first was against Houston Astros when he pitched 127 or 129 uh, pitches any pitch against the Red Sox in that horrible like terrible weather game how many pitches did he throw I don't remember but I know he struck out 11 batters in that game he was absolutely dominant I think he probably I think he might have stayed till at least the seventh or eighth inning had the game been a normal one yeah, so, I mean, I think you guys actually – did you see what the Red Sox did with their lineup today? What'd they do? They moved Devers up to two and dropped Verdugo down to six or seven. Ooh, interesting. So now they had they go – and they moved Devers uh, – Bogarts up. So it's Hernandez, Devers, Bogarts, JD. By the way, Instead I saw of- another comment that I didn't want to – I don't want to ignore this comment. How's it going, Ryan? Good to see you checking in in our show. One of my coworkers at my summer job just had to give him a little shout out. But nice. any, anyways, back to what we were talking about. Another thing I kind of wanted to bring up, Greg Allen has absolutely been a fr- breath of fresh air for this Yankees lineup, in my opinion. I mean, when you think of the Yankees and their hitters, you think of like power and going for the home runs. He brings a completely different element, speed and athleticism. He's hitting 417, and I think this guy's definitely going to be the good luck charm of the Yankees right now. You guys have been looking for that type of player forever. I mean, yes, you are a team built on power bats, power arms, but at the end of the day in Major League Baseball, you need men on base. You need men, men going first to third, you know, rounding third, going, like making an impact on the bases. And, you, you know, you look at the Yankees and you have Judge, uh, Stanton, Odor, Sanchez, Torres. You got a lot of guys who don't exactly provide that spark. I mean, you're going to notice when you get some of these more guys on base, it's going to make life so much easier for for some of the for some of your power bats. So, 
you know, yeah, it's been nice to see. I didn't know too much about him. He's been a very nice presence since he's been on the Yankees so far this season. But for a while, the Yankees have needed that base running threat. And it's nice to finally see one there because like, like when you guys signed Odor this offseason, I was like, he doesn't fix the need for that on base threat kind of guy. Yes, he's been okay at points this year, but um, the Yankees have needed it. They finally have it. And you're starting to see a difference here in your order. Yeah, definitely. And now let's talk a little bit about trade deadline stuff. I know I saw your video recently. You talked about how you really wanted Anthony Rizzo. And you know, you're not the only one who I've seen like make a case about that. There was another Red Sox fan who I saw him, a blog he wrote saying that he really wanted Anthony Rizzo in his lineup. And, you know, if you really think about it, it makes sense. I mean, this is a guy who came up through your system. He was drafted by Theo Epstein too, if I, if I remember correctly, but then, yeah. Obviously, we know they traded him to the Padres in the infamous Adrian Gonzalez deal. And we obviously know, I don't really think either team won that trade because the Padres ended up trading him to the Cubs. They didn't really develop in San Diego. But I think getting an Anthony Rizzo could really bolster your lineup too. And, you know, he brings leadership to the table. So more than just hitting home runs and more than just stability at first base, I I really think that makes sense. And as much as I would love for the Yankees to get a guy like him, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, definitely check out my video on Down the Block Sports. I talk about Anthony Rizzo going to the Red Sox. I mean, you mentioned it right there, team player, massive defensive upgrade against Bobby Dalbeck and has better offensive numbers. You know, with just his overall character, he's going to fit in very well in the Red Sox clubhouse. And, you know, it's an improvement. And he's not going to be that much offensive pressure on him. He's hitting sixth or seventh. Um, so, and he hit well in the world series when he was there. If the Red Sox want to think about doing that, you might as well get someone who has experienced one in that role and was successful when he was doing that. So I think he makes a lot of sense. Dalbeck hasn't really been that impressive in my opinion. I think he's hitting below 220. You want to win a world series, get some guys who've been there before and are going to hit above that line. Yeah, no, definitely. And like I said, he, his leadership qualities, I think are important too. And yeah, Dalbeck's hitting 217. I'm taking a look at his stats just out of curiosity. Yeah, Ten nothing. home runs. That's not really going to cut it, and he hasn't really quite lived up to his potential. And we got another comment from Adam Rothschild. Adam goes, hi, Hank. We are on the Cape in Massachusetts. Should I leave now or stick it out? No, I think you should stick it out. The game just started. It's um, only the bottom of the first. No score. Two outs. And I believe Xander Bogarts is up at bat right now. As I said, I've got the screen on my other part of my laptop. Nice. That's how dedicated a fan I am. What can I there tell you? you? Go. I, don't have, I don't have it on in front of me, so you're going to need to keep me updated. Oh, no problem. But, yeah, it should be a pretty good series. I'm In case you missed it earlier, I predicted a split with this series. I don't know what your thoughts on are, too, but I think you also had a split, no? I think the, I think the only game the Red Sox lose is Coles. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. They're probably going to lose while I'm on the air with you with, with my luck, giving give them that <laughs> little jinx. But, no, you guys should, should absolutely win that Garrett Cole game. Um, I, I think you guys will at least take one. I'll be shocked if it's a sweep, but I, I think the Red Sox are going to go into this deadline with some momentum. I mean, they have the chance to do more than just go for Anthony Rizzo. I mean, when you look at their starting rotation right now, it's going to improve with the addition of Tanner Houck getting more innings down the road and Chris Sale in the bullpen. You know, Sawamura has been solid. Taylor was good, and he's starting to fade a little bit, starting to make me a little bit nervous. He he was He's not as dominant as he was. Uh, early in the season, though, he had like a 26-inning scoreless streak, and he's been a little shaky since. Um, Adovito's been solid. Matt Barnes has been very solid. I think they they need to kind of take his usage back a little bit. I know you kind of can't when you get into all these division matchups, but Sox have used him a ton this year. Uh, just something to monitor there for uh, 
Alex Cora, but when you look at the Red Sox, I think they're fine because in the playoffs, you like to use some of your starters as middle relief guys. I think with the six or seven they have on that team, they can fill those type of roles. If they can get another back of the bullpen piece, maybe move Barnes into a um, setup slash closer role, kind of have him balance a little bit, take some of the pressure off of him on Avino as well. I think that'd be a huge addition. I don't know if Kimbrel's an option because if they do want to go the Rizzo route, they're going to be a little bit limited cap space wise. So they got to hope Heim Bloom can find some of those sleepers like he did when he was with the Rays all those years. And I think it's going to make a huge difference for this team. So I think the lineup set could upgrade at first base, the bullpen, the uh, rotation set, we do still need to monitor the progress of Chris Sale and see how Tanner Howe can eat a little more innings down the road. But if they can get another bullpen piece, I think it would be a huge addition for this final run towards the postseason. Yeah, definitely. So it goes – and, you know, I don't even know if you necessarily need to add a starter. Like, I, I mean, I know, I've, I've been seeing a lot of Red Sox fan, oh, fans saying, oh, add a starter. It gives us more depth, which, you know, in theory makes sense. But with, with the way it's been for, performing now and the way that Chris Sale's been pitching, I don't know – if you necessarily will go after sir. But with that having said, I am curious, hypothetically, who would you go after if you like really wanted another starter in that rotation? I mean, would make the most sense. I, I don't see them going after like a Scherzer. No, I don't see them not. going after a Domingo, not, uh, not Herman Marquez. Okay. Yeah. No, you don't, um, want, you don't want our wife beater pitcher on our team. Yeah, I had the the Herman kind of mix me up. I used the yeah. last name first of the first name. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, that's kind of where Heim sits there and just kind of fo- solves his little math problem and figures out who he wants to add to this team. I mean, it's tough to evaluate because I don't. If the Red Sox go after a starter, I don't think they're going to blow up their system to get that great of a starter. Uh, maybe yeah. if they include. I mean, I know this isn't the starting pitcher, but Andrew Chafin or someone like that in the Rizzo deal, I know he's been a very solid reliever. Um, but I think if the Red Sox do go after a starter, and, I, and that's the main question Red Sox fan have is, how good is Sale going to be? How quick is it going to be till he is able to pitch that many innings with the Red Sox? You know, what happens if Sale has a setback? You know, they've been very healthy this year in the rotation for the Reds. They've had five or six starters, I believe, this whole season. You know, what if something happens down the road where you deal with an injury or have to put someone on the IL? I mean, I don't know if you can have that much injury luck for an 162-game season. The Red Sox have been lucky this year, but you always want to be a little bit cautious. So I think it's best like a 3-4 starter. Um, again, I, I can't really think of any names because, you know, it, it's just kind of a random addition. It'd have to be at that point. But if you're, if you're a Red Sox fan, you're thinking Kimbrell, you're thinking, you know, Hendricks, you're thinking any other, the top level potential free agents. Don't think that because Heim's going to make some sneaky little raise moves. And that's the only thing I can see him doing with this rotation. Yeah. He doesn't really sound like a GM I'd want to make deals with. And because I, I remember his, I know his reputation. I mean, he robbed the Phillies. Well. He robbed the Pirates too. That's not when he was in Boston. But no, yes, no, no, did. I know. But you know what you know what trade I'm referring to. Yes. But think about last year. We traded Hembry and what is his name? He's I think he's back in Boston now. Well, uh, oh, I know Workman. Workman. To Philly for Pavetta and Seawald. Pavetta's been in the rotation all season and been very productive, better than he was when he was in Philly. 
Seawold uh, is like moving towards that top 10 level in the Red Sox system. I know it's not the deepest system in the world, but you know, he's moving up the ranks here. And, you know, you like to see that. Do you look at the Red Sox farm system right now? A lot of the pieces there are guys that Heim has added. Yes, some uh, uh, he added Jeter Downs, um, you know, a couple other guys here. That, that's especially from the top level. But, you know, Heim's, you're starting to see some of the Heim Bloom names a little bit deeper in the system. And he's really been making an impression right early in Boston. So to think about his first move being trading Mookie Betts and being fan favorite after two years is mind-blowing. Yeah, no, and I respect time. He's like, he's made a trade that like not too many other GMs would do. Like nine out of every 10 times when you have a superstar in your lineup, you would never think of the possibility of like trading him while he's still in his prime, whereas trying to build for your future. But, you know, looking at the Mookie Betts deal, I, it's it's kind of working out for the Red Sox. I, I as much as you hate to lose a, a guy, a guy of superstar caliber like that, it's it's hard for me to say the Red Sox really lost that trade based on the production that we're seeing out of Verdugo and based off the potential that we could be seeing from uh, Jeter Downs. And hey, b- bonus if Connor Wong somehow produces. Yeah, and I mean Connor Wong plays catcher, a position the Red Sox don't have much of in their system. I know in the I think Jeffrey Springs and Josh Osage trade they made with the Rays earlier this year. They got a Rays catcher that Heim really likes. Hopefully he can make an impact in the system, but uh, Verdugo has been a solid MLB player. Jeter Downs has, was asked to go to the futures game. So he's kind of being mentioned with some of the top prospects in baseball. So we're seeing some of that talent pay off. Um, So hopefully, hopefully we can see Downs soon, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I think Himes done an outstanding job. I think some of the pieces he signed even this year, look at Kike Hernandez comes to Boston, fits in immediately. You didn't think of him being a center fielder to start the season. Next thing you know, he takes a spot full-time. Now it's obviously Duran's, but wherever he's been asked to go, he's been in well. Marwin defensively, he plays first, short. He plays all over the field at this point. Um you're just seeing a lot of these pieces fit in really well in Boston and they're all responding to Alex Cora now as the, as the, as the head manager. Yeah, for sure. And now, you know, let's switch gears a little bit because we were talking about this division before and it's really weird how it's turning out. I got to talk to you about the NL East and, you know, the Mets had kind of a weird week. They, they had one game where they were up six, nothing and they blew it. They gave up a walk off grand slam. And then they had another game where they beat the pirates and they came back and won that game. But the weird part about that was, you know, that was the game where you had that little infield single that had three runs score. I'm crazy. I feel like every weird play of the season has happened to the Pirates. But yet the weird thing is it happened in their favor. Yeah, that time. (laughs) Whereas (laughs) looking at the Will Craig thing, oh my gosh. He's in Korea now. I know. I heard about that. I feel bad for the guy. Like, don't get me wrong. It was a bad play and a really bad mental error, but like at the same time, for that to really affect him and see him go to Korea, like you gotta totally. feel for that. If you like, if you that if sucks. your play becomes a meme, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean the play was so terrible. I mean, you see people make mistakes in every single baseball game. We're humans. It's baseball. There's a lot of innings, a lot of pitches, a lot of opportunities to screw up. But if you make that monumental of a mistake where that many runs are scored against a rival in a market like Chicago with a massive social media and just overall national media presence, <laughs> you're screwed. I mean, if he made that play and it was Tigers, you know, Pirates, 
I mean, he's Cubs. While the Cubs actually looked like they had a chance to do something. So, I mean, that play was horrible. Was it in Chicago? No, it was in Pittsburgh. Okay. So, for the seven fans that watched it? Lost in in that play was the fact that there was a bloop single that scored another run immediately after that. And when you really look at Baez that play, he got all cocky because he knew the Pirates fielders were, like, so inept. Like, he, he was just standing at home plate with safe and then he just ran back to first and that's why i find it so funny that they had a play happen in their favor which was the little infield single thrown away three runs it's i don't know man the pirates are a strange franchise yeah and then rojas comes out screaming gets ejected (laughs) um yeah i mean you got to maximize those games i mean you talk about the national league east a lot of people said going into the season it's going to be determined based on how you play against the marlins I mean, you got four teams that can contend for this division, the one team that can't. If you go, you know, 19-0 and against that one team, you know, you got a real chance to make up that much ground in this division. The crazy thing about it is a lot of teams now, I think the Nationals are eventually going to fade. They're they're really, they're, what, seven back right now? Six back, but they're Six pretty, back. they're five games under 500, so they're not yeah. in great shape. I mean, if you're the Mets, you have to buy. You're year one of yeah. Steve Cohen. You know, you're in first place. Um, The division's in a state where if you don't win it, you're not going to the playoffs. You know, next is the Phillies. You know, they're a team that has all the talent, you know, just can't stay consistent. I've said on my show, Down the Block Sports, if you want to check it out, that I think the Phillies should go after someone like Starling Marte. Moves all the other top guys in the order down a spot. You're not getting great offensive production this year from guys like Alec Bohm and Didi Gregorius. And if you look at the top of the order, he gets on base. You go Segura, Harper, Hoskins, not Hoskins, Rambuto Harper. He's fast. You can move him around the bases. He's going to score runs. He's going to steal bases. He's going to provide some serious impact in that lineup. And if you know the Mets are going to buy, that forces the other teams like the Braves, who've still kind of bought since Acuna went down. Yes, I know Vote and um, Peterson aren't huge moves, but you look at the Braves only being a couple games back. If Freddie Freeman's hot streak continues, they're going to remain right there in this division because Charlie Morton, who they've been waiting to heat up, is finally heating up here for the Braves. So um, going into this deadline, I think all every single team in this division has to make a move. I think the Mets should get on the phone with the Cubs, getting either Baez or Bryant, um, improve the infield. I yeah. know by it. I know there we ought to see what happens with Lindor, but they can use another guy in one of those spots. He talked so highly about JD Davis. I, he's good, but come on people. If you can get Chris Bryant at third base, you can stop acting no. like JD Davis is, you know, the next Babe Ruth. But I, I really think they are going to make a serious impact move. Steve Cohen's been making waves since he got there. No, and, they have to. I don't think you can't, but of course there's anyone else to do that with them. You cannot stand Pat if you're the Mets. And no way. It's not just with this lineup. Their pitching staff needs improvement too. And I know it might sound strange that I'm saying this, given that they've had good production from Tywin Walker, Marcus Stroman, and of course Jacob Degrom. But now Jacob Degrom's on the IL. Now you only you only have two of those starters. And it's and, a recurring. And they, they say all the yeah. injuries don't connect. Yeah, they do. But like, come on. They do. Like I'm not a, I'm not a doctor here, but. I don't know. The, the, like, come on. No, they're, they're just trying to say that. I mean, he was ticked off when he was got taken on the IL, but if the Mets lose him, they're screwed. Yeah. And I, I didn't even mention the fact that 
you know, they had multiple games where they've had to use bullpen games. Like it, it pretty much was the reason it may have been one of the reasons why Edwin Diaz blew a save the last game before the all-star break. He, they had, they put him out for a five out save. Usually when managers do that, that's a sign of them over managing, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think, and you know, you look at stuff like that and you factor in that you're giving starts to what Corey Seawald and, um, Oh, what's the other, they had to start Aaron loop one game. Like you can't have a rotation where you, you have a bullpen game once every like four or five games that that's not going to win you a championship. They have to buy. And it's not okay. just, the- I would not rely on Syndergaard either. <clears throat> no. I know he could potentially return, but no, um, no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, David Peterson what, is another guy, I guess. I mean, yeah, the Mets team definitely makes some moves. I, I just, I question how big name of a pitcher they're going to go after. Cause if they give up, they're going to get Bryant. I mean, if they go after someone like that, they're going to have to give up at least a decent prospect. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Mets have a lot of pieces. They're really screwed. If there's a setback for DeGrom or Lindor, Lindor was starting to heat up big time before he got hurt. That was brutal, man. When he got hurt, he went like this. You knew his oh. week had an issue. You knew it. He just kind of went back and like went pointed right to it. He goes, yep, that's where it and- is. Those are the worst injuries, too, because... Can't do anything. I mean, look, I'm not going to say worse as in worse than, like, an ACL. I say worse in the sense that oblique injuries are tricky. You have no idea how long a guy is going to be out of a lineup for for yeah. an oblique. So that, that that is pretty devastating. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they're going into the deadline with them on the IL, which isn't great. But that also should give got teams like the Phillies and the Braves more reason to go and make a move. You know, like I mentioned before, it looks like two te- three teams are coming out of the West. Yeah, that's so, there's no doubt about that. With none of these teams, like sooner or later, one of these teams has to have a hot month. Yeah. And some question, will it be the Braves? Well, without Acuna, unless they make a pretty big move, it's hard to think that it's going to be them consistently. They haven't been consistent all season. You know, could it be the Phillies? Yes, they've had consistency issues a lot. Their system isn't the deepest, so I'm interested to see how big of a move it makes. Deadline bats, expiring bats, normally don't go for as much as we think. So I think they could go after a Marte. I think that would make a ton of sense, but we all know the Mets are making a move, so it gives those teams even more reasons to do it. So I'm interested to see what happens in the East. I'm not really impressed with most of the play I've seen this year, but um, I, I kind of expected that. I mean, with four teams that looked like they could win the division, you kind of thought they were going to beat each other up a little bit. And I, I didn't think the Giants would be this good. They've really messed with the NL playoff picture because it looks like, again, three teams are coming out of the West, one out of the Central, which is probably going to be the Brewers after the way the Reds have been playing out of the gate. But Giants became the first team to win 60 games. Yeah, sure. they won 60 games yesterday. I've been saying for a while, like, oh, you know, sooner or later the, the Giants will fade away. And then they play the Dodgers, and they think they took – they're playing game four tonight, but they've taken two out of three so far. Yeah, they no. Just for crazy. me, they're gritty. They show up ready to play. Their starting pitching has been solid. Um, A lot of their key role players have really stepped up for them. I mean, Mike Yastrzemski has been hit or miss. He hasn't really been that amazing. I know he was really damn good last year. Uh, but it's just, they're all coming ready to play Buster Poser. Buster Posey looks like the old Buster Posey. The National League's nuts, but again, we're kind of looking at it like this. How do they seed in the West? Congratulations, Brewers. Who gets out of the dogfight in the East? It's weird yeah, to think Brewers because... Division. Am I crazy to think Philly has a real chance? 
They Not shouldn't. Really. I don't think Philly's that good, but they're in a very good position because, you know, DeGrom, Lindor, IL, Acuna, IL, Schwarber, IL. You know, I'll tell you only a couple thought. games back. Like, you, you, they can really make a move if they do something yeah. here. No, I'll tell you, you know who I thought for a long time probably ha- was going to have the best chance of catching the Mets? I thought it was going to be the Braves because Easily. I figured with Acuna and Freeman, then now Acuna's hurt. Now you don't have Soroka. And even though Charlie Morton's finally been getting better, I they've been too inconsistent. I think those injuries are too much for the Braves to overcome. I, I hate to say it, but I, I don't think the Braves are going to do it. And as far as the Phillies go, yeah, no, I don't think it's a stretch entirely. Like sometimes bad luck happens to other teams. And you know what? If the Phillies are smart, they would strike while the iron is hot. They would go for a Starling Marte. I would also look into improving the bullpen if I were them, because oh, yeah. let's face it, that bullpen has been an absolute abomination. Leads the league in the past uh, few years. Blown games. I mean, if when your bullpen has the highest ERA of your own team since like the 1930s and that was an era where the Phillies really stunk out loud. Yeah. That says something. But like when you looked at their bullpen going into the season. Yeah. You know, they added Alvarado, who everyone thought, you know, the hard throwing relief pitcher from the Rays, who has some experience saving games. Archie Bradley, who I was shocked to see get um, non-tendered by the, the Cincinnati Reds. He's another guy who has experience in the back of the bullpen in those late inning situations. Um, I think they made a couple other moves. I'm kind of blanking on some of the additions they made, but it looked like those were really going to be the guys. I know that Hector Nerys, who's been a solid uh, bullpen piece for them a couple years ago, but if they don't have Nola or Wheeler legitimately going seven or eight innings, it's it's just it's a disaster. Wheeler's like a guy Brogdon's very average. Um, it just seems like everyone they add just falls apart the second they walk into citizens bank park yeah i don't know what it is it seems like management there just seems really dysfunctional and you know dombrowski you know oh yeah he wasn't added there to rebuild the farm system no of course not you saw him in detroit he was going after world series he didn't get there but he did finally when he got to boston now he has probably the least amount of resources to move here in Philadelphia because their farm system's great. They have a team that's loaded uh, with very heavy contracts. They're a team that's not built, you know, the traditional way. A lot of teams like to build from the ground up, have a lot of, you know, youth and quality contract-wise great. You know, they're they're paying Didi Gregorius to over $10 I mean, Segura. It seems like everyone on their team's making a really pretty penny, and their farm system – Really is that great team built through free agency, which isn't really the way to do things. So, hey, they have a win now star, or they have a win now manager, a win now GM, and a not so win now roster, and a definitely not win now farm system. So, they have to make a move. I think it's just how far can they go? Because if they're in a bidding war, they're going to lose pretty much every single battle. Yeah, I don't. If this is the year for them to do it, this this has got to be the year. But all I can say is I, the Phillies are a team that's just irked me, like watching them or the fears. Not because I necessarily want them to be well. I don't really have an opinion on the Phillies, obviously, being a Yankee fan. It always irks me when teams have, like, gobs of talent and they, they just waste it, you know? I hate that. Yeah, I mean, it's just when you look at their roster, it's like, man, you got – 
Bryce Harper. Uh, Harper. Yeah, McCutcheon. Boom, Segura, Gregorius, Real Muto, uh, their first bit, Hoskins, and you have Noah, Noah Wheeler. Wheeler, the experienced manager. And Wheeler, by the way, has struggled with run support. Well, not so much run support, but he's had his he's had his bullpen's blew his starts. So, yeah, that's why he has to go seven or eight pretty much every game and hope one of those yeah. guys can, can get the out. And I think he's third in strikeouts in baseball right now. Something yeah, like that. yeah, he's pretty high on that list. But they have they have so many assets that are great, and I know I know not every season you can rely on everyone being solid. I know, um, you know, Didi hasn't been amazing this year. Uh, same with uh, Boehm, who's taken a little bit of a step back offensively. But they have a lot of pieces. Just you look at their team, and it, you seem like they're underperforming. Yet they're underperforming on a team that's barely out of the division. Wheeler actually is second in the league with strikeouts, believe okay, it or not. Second now, okay. That's it's still pretty impressive though. Yeah. Only Derek Cole has more strikeouts than him. God, I thought that contract was so awful. Because well, I mean, you looked at the track or... record of Clint Clintac, and it's just been like, what are you doing? But hey, he he's really stepped up since he's been in Philly. I've been extremely impressed with Zach Wheeler. And you know, here's here's another thing that's worth pointing out regarding the Phillies. Every bad move they've or Every guy that's left them over the past like five, six years always seems to flourish when they when he leaves. I have a, I think that that tells me that that's a dysfunctional organization, or that's just yeah. not a well developed organization. It's like the Pirates. Like, yeah, a Pirates with a bigger payroll, and in a different side of the state too. Mm-hmm. You have you have Nick Pavetta doing well with the Red Sox. I mean. Like you pointed out earlier, the Red Sox absolutely fleece the Phillies in that trade. Yeah. yeah. And it's not even just players. Like, everyone thought that Gabe Kapler was the problem with them as their manager in 2018-19. I don't know. Judging by what he's done with the Giants, I don't think he's that bad of a manager. And it really doesn't seem like that much has changed in Philly. No, it doesn't. Yeah, and as I mean, as well, I when you look at the Giants, I gave Gabe Kapler a ton of heat. Yeah, I was like, this guy's overrated. Um, the Giants made a terrible decision hiring him. One, the Giants front office is way more efficient than the Phillies. Yes, their system's better. Their pitching's better. Their bullpen not amazing, but better. Lineup's worse, but a little bit better. They're they're still extremely productive. Oh my gosh, man, has he? Can you imagine if the Giants had hadn't blown as many saves as they did? They'd be like destroying the NL West. Yeah, I mean it, those games happen though. You have to expect that. No, it does. But I'm just, I'm just saying that's how ama- well they've played. Yeah, and you know that this roster is is showing up and playing well for him. They've had a lot of veterans. Many question like you know Brandon Belt when he was healthy was productive. So was Crawford. So was Lindgren. And they're dealing with injuries too, which is crazy. All three of those guys I mentioned are I think are still on the IL. Um, they've had guys like Alex Dickerson set up, Wilmer Flores, Donovan Solano, and they're just responding to the way Kapler's been managing. I mean, who's their uh, ace? Gossman. Uh, Gossman. Gossman. I know. So you want to talk about that's another guy who's flourished with after leaving a team that was not good at developing pitchers. Yeah, I mean, Dylan Bundy's kind of hurting that right now, and Alex Woods still Alex Wood, but. Man, has he been good since he left Baltimore. Yeah. 
He's going to make yeah. some money. When you look at the free agent market for pitching, I, I don't really know outside of Gossman who's really there. Yeah. So he's going to make a pretty penny on the open market because, you know, I, I, I hope he stays in San Francisco. I think definitely there's going to be a couple teams that are going to try out bid for his production. But that that's how you know you have a good organization. If you bring someone from a bad situation to your organization and he's this productive, you have great scouting, a great manager, and a great game plan. And what the Dutch, what they're doing over there in San Francisco is working well. Because like I said before, you kind of expected they'd eventually fade away and they're the first team in, the ML- in MLB with – 60 wins yes definitely so i would have to say that san francisco i think will definitely be in the playoffs now whether they hold on to this division i'm still not sure i'm never going to count up the dodgers until until san francisco's magic number is zero i'm not counting out the dodgers i'm sorry i just that team is way too talented we'll wait till seager gets back yeah no i was you i was just getting to that Corey seager is going to be back soon this that's the guy they need to re-sign in free agency. Between him and Bellinger, I think Corey Seager is the, the better of the two. I think they both. I think if you're the Dodgers, mm-hmm. the extensions you're handing out from this current team, Betts already has it. Yeah, Seager will get it. Yes, Bellinger will get it after, and Bueller will be the final mega contract, and that should probably be, be around. So Kershaw expires this year. Kershaw's probably gonna Kershaw will probably get a he nice. He always signs three year, thirty plus per year deals. He's gonna sign a hometown discount and stay there. You know he loves LA. I mean, I'm not really worried about Clayton Kershaw going anywhere. But if I'm the Dodgers, the four people I'm prioritizing is you already crossed off bets. The three next are Bueller, Bellinger, Seeker. I don't know if I'm as keen on signing Bellinger, though, to be honest with you, because looking at his numbers, like, and if you look at the way his swing is, like, 168 and four home runs, that's that's a little... I mean, he's been hurt. I know he's been hurt, but, like, when you look at last year, too, there's I've noticed a little bit of a decline in his performance, so... There's a little there's a little bit of a red flag with... Well, with there, that you're guy. not just going to hand him a mega extension i mean i right, think they're right. going to keep him around but if he doesn't earn the the 300 plus mil he's not going to get it exactly I, I mean i don't think teams are going to be that crazy with going after him if his numbers continue to be low but i just think he's he's meant to be a dodger i mean from yeah, winning there already right. going to the world series multiple times i mean winning and being in that type of environment matters but you know it's major league baseball i've said a lot of players wouldn't leave and they did so. And by the way, Tom says we they've got a great pitching matchup tonight. Yeah, Desclafani against Walker Bueller. Like, listen, yeah, if great I pitching matchup. if I didn't have to wake up early, I would probably be stay up and watch that game because I I love watching yeah, four and, like, and a half hour games. So I'm like, those games take forever. Forever. They, they do, but when it's Dodgers Giants or whenever it's like Dodgers Padres, I have to watch those games. Good games. Yeah, I mean it's it's weird because I mean they they brought it up on the broadcast yesterday. It's the, the vibe around the stadium when certain rivals come in and mm-hmm. how like Dodgers Padres are constantly chirping at each other. But <laughs> Giants uh, Dodgers is more like uh, they were calling it like a business trip with the vibe because just the way the team plays. Yeah. You know, the, the San, San Diego is really flashy and louder. The Giants are the are silent and not flashy at all. 
They've never really like, flashy though. I know, Even but they, I like. I'm just saying, like, just the way for a team that wins 60 games, they don't act like it. Well, they act no. like they're professionals. They go to the ballpark play every day, they but did. for normally you you'd see more like flash flare. Right. You, you don't get that with this Giants team. Yeah, no, even with the three even year, the even year dynasty never really saw any flash out of them. You saw Buster Posey. I always thought of him as Jeter like in the sense that he was a quiet leader. He came up at the right time. He won a few Watch rings. Follow what he does. Yeah, no, he he's yeah. terrific. And I don't between him and Molina, it's a really tough debate for me to say who's the best catcher during the 2010s, or at least that I remember. I obviously I would say Pudgy is the best catcher in my lifetime, but when I think of best catchers, I usually have it down between Yachty and Buster, and yeah. neither of them are really a bad choice. I think Buster may be the better hitter, but Yachty is the better fielder. Yeah, I mean, opinion. both both won World Series. Both have an yeah. excellent reputation around the league for improving both will absolutely their staffs. Down. Exactly. So give me one of those at this point. They, they don't really matter to me. I wish we could see that. I mean, we have Vasquez. He's he's okay, but he ain't no Posey or <laughs> Molina. Those two are studs. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the Giants' success, too, has to do with him taking that year off last year. Yeah, no, it's funny. My friend uh... – I have a friend who's a hardcore San Francisco Giants fan. I think he, as much, I know he was a little disappointed to see Buster leave, but he was totally supportive. And I think he even told me after that, like before that season, watch, Buster's going to be better in 2021. And he's right. Yeah. So, one more topic I want to quickly dive into before we sign off Yerman Mercedes, his brief little retirement. I got to talk about this because. I don't know if you remember, but when I had Paul and John Quinn about, let's say, back in May, I went off on the whole Tony LaRussa unwritten rules thing. And, you know, I still stand by what I said that day. I don't agree with Tony LaRussa. It's one thing if he feels that he, he violated the unwritten rules, but for him to call out his player like that in front of the media, that's that was not okay. Yeah, I mean, especially because, I mean, when when you're in the league for five, six years, you get – you can kind of deal with it Mm -hmm. you know you'll realize what twitter is what it's like and you know you're in a market like chicago you're working with a manager like tony la who's also not very well liked and you know he was the guy that was unknown to being in the spotlight and sometimes when you go from that big of an adjustment and everyone thinks you're amazing to then a bunch of things going around you being negative not knowing if you have the back from your manager it's a tough spot. I mean, he's never really been in that position before. Then again, I don't know how much of this stems on that. I know a lot of our things are pointing that way, but um, yeah, I mean, you got to know who your players are. You got to know who's in the locker room and how they're going to respond to the way you are. And if you go to the media and blast someone, not knowing how he's going to respond, it's going to have a negative impact with something like that. You got to be smarter as a manager when you speak to these things. Now this is Tony. There knows this. He's been in the league for a long time. Um, I think he's just he's changed his approach a little bit talking to the media now since. Um, so hopefully he learned from that and doesn't do something like that again because you know it's not 2011 anymore, 2011 anymore. Yeah, you know you you can't talk you, like you're around different types of players and you know he he he's been around certain locker room stuff like that before, but you know I thought he was extremely unaware when he spoke. Um, yeah, I, I think. He he definitely put his player in a position he was not comfortable with and, you know, led to a lot of backlash that I think he deserved. But, um, yeah, I, I think Tony was just so he, – he just – he should not have gotten that 
gone in that direction. You got to stand up for the players in that clubhouse. Yeah, and it was a really shame. It it really stunk to see him like decline after that performance, and then to the point where he's now in the minors. So I, I kind of see why he had that abrupt retirement. I think he ended up coming back actually today, but like, yeah, he retired. And then next thing you know, I get an update on my phone while I'm working on the channel. I work for MLB network radio. Right. And I get an update saying that he dressed for the Charlotte, whatever their team name is. I think it's the Knights. Yeah. Something like that. And I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, didn't he just retire? We were in a segment. I ended up texting my other producer. I'm like, I'm like, you're mean Mercedes dressed today. They're like, what? I'm like, look it up. I just got an update that that happened. We ended up reporting it on the station, but what a weird 24 hours for a guy that at the beginning of the season, everyone was like, Oh, rookie of the year lock, you know, like throwing his name around like crazy to being done with baseball to then posting on social media that you're back and you won't give up and you love everyone and all this stuff. I know Tony said after the game, when he found out the news yesterday that he was going to give, uh, you're mean a phone call again. I don't know if he made the phone call or how much of a difference that phone call made. Um, there's, there's no reports on anything after him making that original statement, but you know, maybe that had an impact who knows, but um, I have never seen this big of a turnaround of a story ever. I feel like yeah, I'm retiring. I'm not retiring. I'm done. I love everyone. So hopefully we see him back in the pros. He was extremely solid. Obviously you knew the fade was eventually coming. It's 162 games. People are going to figure him out, but a weird situation. Hopefully when he gets back, uh, Tony has a better answer. If he breaks an unwritten rule, which shouldn't be an unwritten rule. Don't give him an Oh three in a terrible pitch that he can hit over the fence. Or just don't throw him an Ethan's pitch overall, or maybe don't, don't be trailing by 11 runs. Yeah, I'd be better at baseball. <laughs> All I know is the White Sox have been a pretty fun team to watch. I've checked them out a little bit during the season. They they could very well be in the World Series come October. Like they have they have the good. Until they get back they have, in the outfield, they have the talent for it. Don't. My only Eloy. question is who they get in the outfield. Yes, I agree. They need Eloy Jimenez definitely. My other issue is is Larusa going to hold this team back and. You know, that was my concern from the minute they hired him because this is Yeah, no- I don't think LaRusso has been a problem since the No, 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 he day. hasn't. But like it it's still it's something you still got to think about, you know. I, I mean, I'm not as worried about that as you. I, right. I, when I look at Chicago, I think they have to make a move in the middle of the infield. Um I Definitely. think Anderson, Moncada, uh Obreu, set. I know they're dealing with some injuries at catcher, but they need to improve at second base. Uh, they looked like Nick Madrigal was going to be the guy. If they could go into the free agent market going after someone like Eduardo Escobar, um, <clears throat> you know, some other second base names type, I think it'd make a huge difference. And then you mentioned Eloy could be back in the outfield. If he can hit there behind Jose Abreu, that's going to make a huge difference. Um, their bullpen's been good. Liam Hendricks been solid as a closer. Uh, they have a three-headed monster, now really four-headed with Cease taking over that spot. Um, they're, they're not a team you want to play in the playoffs and Tony's been there before. Yeah. He, he, um, it's weird because when you look at the American league, the three managers that it seems like everyone on the national media standpoint doesn't like, is probably going to be who's representing the American league in the world series with Cora, who had to deal with the science doing scandal. Everyone hates the Astros. So Dusty's just in that spot. And then Tony, who didn't make many media friendly since he 
signed with the Astro or signed with the White Sox, and of course made those comments about your mean Mercedes. So that should be interesting, especially with who wins manager of the year. I think it's one of those three too. Yeah, definitely. But I don't. Yeah. I'm not too worried about Larusa. I think a lot of people were kind of questioning how he'd adjust with this roster. I think they've been fine. on um, this division's a joke, so they're going to walk their way into the playoffs at this point. It's just evaluating the roster, who's going to make those final pieces to beat teams like the Astros, Red Sox, Rays, and A's really in the postseason. So I think the White Sox will be fine. I think Larusa has done better than I expected he would be. I know he gets a lot of smack for what he did and what he said, and he deserves it. But at the end of the day, this is the team that has the chance to win a World Series, and he's been won a World Series before. And that's definitely something that's going to help him on Three. his postseason run. Yeah, exactly. Once with the A's, tw- twice with the Cardinals. Yeah. He's and won he's got only- Lynn, who he won with. I know he yep. was a rookie at that time and has a much larger role on the team right now. Giolito. They got all the pieces they need, man. They- that team is unbelievable. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Now, before we uh, sign off on the show, I'd like Alec, please, um, please tell us where we can find you as usual. Please do a little plugging of yourself. Awesome, man. Well, you can find me on Down the Block Sports on YouTube. We are a YouTube only channel, so you're definitely going to want to subscribe to that. It's at Down the Block Sports. I host. I'm the host of the Alec Walt Show. I bring on guests all the time. Uh, we've had a bunch of people from here from Review and Preview on the show. I'm definitely getting you on a show. In about eight or nine days, we'll talk about it after. You'll know why. Obviously. Um, look, at the, look at the hat on your head. Look at the banner over my shoulder. Look at the deadline coming up in a few days. Put the pieces together. You know what we'll be talking about soon. You can my, find um, that in. I was going to say my jersey in the background and my Yankee Stadium picture. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, may, maybe there's an important day coming up on the 30th where both of our teams could be making some sort of moves in a division where a lot of people are making moves. Put the pieces together. I'm going to have, I'm going to ask you to. If you're if you're interested, obviously over the next couple of days to, to join me on a podcast, we'll try and get that to happen. So again, um, I got a show coming up about the Bruins, a show coming up about the Kraken, a show coming up about the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm all over the place, man. I mean, if it's sports, I want to talk about it. I want to get guests on that know what they're talking about, including yourself again, who we're going to be talking about with just about a week or so. But um, yeah, man, check out the channel. At Down the Block Sports, YouTube only. Please give me a sub if you're listening. Definitely. And I have already given him a subscribe to that. And to everyone I'm else who's watching, you too. I, I appreciate that. To everyone else who's watching, I suggest you do the same if you have not done so already. Alec, Alec knows this stuff, whether it be baseball or football or basketball or the NHL. Pretty knowledgeable. Alec, once again, I want to thank you again for jo- coming on and joining us on the show. Definitely going to have to have you on again later on the season. Hopefully both of us are playing meaningful games in September. So I think that would make for another fun show. But until next time, I'd like to give you all a friendly neighborhood reminder where you can find us. Of course, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also, please do not forget to subscribe down below to our YouTube channel. And as always, you have watched another episode of Hitting for the Cycle on Thursday nights. We will see you next week, but until next time, this is Hank and Dichter signing off.